0: Hello, and welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. We've got another packed show for you. We're going to be talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Kirk and I will break down our top five Quentin Tarantino movies. Let's do it. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. I am your co-host Cam. With me as always is our other co-host Kirk. Hello everyone. And like I've noticed that I noticed that I say this at the beginning of every episode. I say, we've got a packed show for you. So maybe that's like our tagline or something like that. Ooh. Maybe, maybe it just kind of came up, but I just said it again. I realized in the open. So
1: I, I think I usually say, Ooh, a yeah. lot throughout the episodes. Right. As well, There's too. lots of
0: oohs and ahs. You're like, you're like my hype man.
1: I am your hype man. Yeah, I dig I it. I believe in you.
0: Um, so yeah, we've had, we do have a pack show. We have a pack show for you. I'm calling this kind of like the, this is sort of like the quasi Quentin Tarantino special mm-hmm. in a way, because what we're gonna do, as you heard in the open, we're gonna review Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which came out this week, the ninth film from Quentin Tarantino. And then we're gonna give our top five, because now, I mean, the list is nine. So it's to the point now where you don't just wanna like list them, like rank all of them, because that's a long list and, and we're kind of lazy. So we'll just narrow it to the top five. And give our thoughts there which I'm very excited about because this I think Quentin Tarantino is undoubtedly like objectively a very good director but everybody does have kind of split views on his movies and I think that that sort of speaks to his ability as a filmmaker because people take different things away from his movies and so what I'm what I'm expecting and this could blow up in my face if we we end up having the same list is that you and I will have very
1: different lists I think we will have different lists uh, you can view each of these movies in such different ways. We were chatting on it before we started recording and uh, we saw the movies in two different times. So I saw it at 10.15 at night on Saturday. Insane. And it's a three hour film. Two hours and 40 minutes. And then you saw it literally popcorn for breakfast style the next morning that's right and i i had some different different views on it different takes not like negative ones but just like oh yeah i saw it this way and you saw it that way so yeah
0: like actually viewing parts of the plot a little bit different and things like that so that's that's a sign of a good filmmaker i think you you don't want to you don't want everything to be Um, Out in the open
1: you want a little bit of subtext there You don't want to beat your audience over the head like look at this. This is what this means Yeah, Yeah,
0: trust your audience to take in your story Mm -hmm. think about it a little bit make their own opinion things like that Because I think the example that you used was the Pulp Fiction The briefcase that has like the shiny shiny gold something in it, right? Yes,
1: and originally I think there was a decision on what it was going to be. I can't remember what it was, but they they changed it. They said never mind, scrap that. It's just going to be whatever the audience wants it to be. Which
0: is just so great. So they
1: threw the they threw the bulb in there I think the day that they shot that scene and they said, "Here it is." And they went with it.
0: It's awesome. It's really awesome. And and we so You mentioned it a little bit, but we have kind of an epic movie-watching weekend. Like, we both live popcorn for breakfast in a very real way this weekend, because I think you even more so than me, because going to a three-hour movie at 10.15 is (laughs) certifiably insane, but also, like, pretty awesome.
1: Can I also tell you, I wanted to take a picture... I, and I posted this on Facebook, but I really wanted to take a picture and put popcorn for fourth meal But I got to the theater way too late and then I had to I hadn't had dinner yet So I got my dinner there at 10 o'clock at night. Oh, man Shout out chicken strips and fries which were delicious. Yeah, shout out Marcus theaters They got the full spread so good So I got into the theater the trailers were already playing. And I'm like dang it I can't take a, an awesome picture for the morning And so I was excited that you got to take one I did in the morning
0: and it was it was a low-quality photo Which I think also speaks to how tired I was even at nine it's not it's not excusable to be that tired at 9 a.m but i was and (laughs) i will just say the theater industry is alive and well my friend yes um because my showing at 9 40 a.m of an r rated film was completely sold out on a sunday um we saw lion king already crossed a billion dollars which is bonkers. Uh, Spider Man: Far From Home crossed a billion dollars. Like this, this is not
1: small fries. Like, and this film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, has been Tarantino's best opening weekend right. of all of his films. Right. Forty million dollars this weekend. So, Which, bravo!
0: Incredible. So, I, I mean, people talk about like streaming services killing the film industry. I see the opposite going on. Mm-hmm. It's it's booming in a big way, and I will say, I, I saw the th- the headline about his this movie being his most successful so far, and I honestly it it made sense to me right away because. He is with a different uh, production company this time around because he didn't get to work with the Weinstein Co. for
1: obvious reasons. Severed severed ties with that as soon because as that rolled are, out. Because yeah. they are they are
0: problematic in a major way and they have been canceled. Mm-hmm. So he's with Sony. They had a big bidding bidding war and Sony produced this film, and they really supported it with with marketing and advertising. And I thought they did a really good job. It looked it looked like a really fun film. Yes. Um, and our review later will decide whether it was. Stay but, tuned. Other than seeing Once Upon a Time of Hollywood, I was on a bit of a I was on a bit of a Tarantino kick, and I think you were as well. So I watched Pulp Fiction on Friday night. I watched Jackie Brown on Saturday night. Um, I watched Itanya last night, which is not Tarantino, but I hadn't seen it, and it was really good. So like and then on top of that, I also watched a show called The
1: Boys, which is new on Amazon Prime. Have you yeah. heard of this? I've heard of it. I've not seen it yet.
0: Yeah, so this show Is based on a comic series that I have not read so I came in with very little context I knew a little bit about the premise but essentially the premise here is like let's see like let's see if superheroes were not good people like let's say they're still doing superhero things and you know saving people and what-have-you but like let's explore what if there's like a seedy underbelly to the the superhero industry and if it goes corporate and all those different things My take on this show is that I've only watched one episode, so this is all with a heaping spoonful of salt, but I will just say that I don't think this concept is as smart as they think it is.
1: Because we get a little bit of that in the superhero movies already, where they're they're corrupt people, they make bad decisions, they kill the wrong person, whatever, so... Or,
0: yeah, like, they destroy the city. Yeah. I mean, we got that in The Incredibles. Yes. Right? So... It's not the world's newest concept, and and they kind of beat you over the head with it. To be quite honestly, uh, to be quite honest with you, mm-hmm. like the the writing, um, they write some things in that like shows how superheroes have gone corporate and things like that, and it all feels very forced. And and there's something that I'm like, you know, it goes back to that point of like you don't have to say everything. You can mm-hmm. leave some things unsaid if you're if you are really an experienced and mature. Director, you yeah. can choose which things to to leave out and which things to include, and so I think this this show lacks a little bit of the finesse. But that said, production quality is extremely high. It looks great. We've got a good cast because um, Carl Urban's in this show. Someone who Love you Carl and I, Urban. yeah, we're big fans of him. Um, Simon Pegg is in this show playing an American character, which I was like, wait, what? like what what's happening
1: has he played an american character before i don't know
0: we'll have to we'll have to hit the we'll have to hit the research department for that one yeah which is just me on imdb (laughs) later like at 2 a.m this morning or tomorrow morning (laughs) um so that's bizarre And, and that like because of that i can't decide in my head if he has a bad american accent or if it's
1: just i've never heard him have an american accent before and so it's really bizarre i would be hard pressed if he's played an american character yet
0: yeah, and I, I, I am leaning more towards bad accent. Yeah. Like, that, that's the direction I'm going with this. Um, so, I don't know. And maybe it,
1: that's intentional that it's bad.
0: Yeah. Too. <laughs> yeah, so um, I would say check it out. Honestly, Kirk, like, like give it a, give it a whirl. And to anybody else who's listening, it, mm-hmm. viewer discretion is highly advised. I will just say that. This is a, this show leaves you feeling a little grimy, a little slimy afterwards. Ooh. Um, so, just know that going in. Um, what what were you watching this weekend, Kirk?
1: Lots of stuff So I also wanted to get my, my Tarantino fix in I watched Pulp Fiction I was gonna rewatch Hateful Eight Couldn't bring no myself thanks. to it
0: <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm just gonna come out and say it I don't like that movie
1: We saw this movie together And immediately upon leaving We were The immediate consensus was like Yeah, not a fan
0: Well, because here's the thing And I'll just interject really quickly here Yeah It's a three-hour movie Yep And it's every bit of three hours And you feel it And the reason you feel it is because you know the ending of the movie at the beginning of the movie and it's like they try to do this memento like Walk backwards deal, but it they don't do it in like a good way that makes sense mm-hmm. and so you're like Okay, I know where this is building towards, so why do I care about everything that's happening here?
1: Yeah, just just not very good. So, that's still in my... I added it to my list on Netflix, but it's probably just going to disappear tonight after Hard this pass. podcast. Hard pass. Um, So, then I really wanted to... I, again, I wanted to get back into everything, but what happened was I've been doing this thing for the past couple of years. It's quite the endeavor. Mm-hmm. I have been attempting to watch every episode chronologically of the wonderful Doctor hit series, ER. Oh, yeah, that's your all-time fave. There it is, yeah. There are 15 seasons of this show. Holy crap. I am in season 14, episode 11. Oh, wow. You're there. I have 33 episodes you left. There's 22 episodes per season. <laughs> so have you ever watched this end to end? Never. So I watched it with my parents way too young, but if everyone watched it in the 90s. Like Yeah, it was I, I, wa- I
0: watched it. And I, I mean, I'm a little bit yeah. younger than you, but I would watch and there would be some episodes where my parents were like, yo, yo, you can't watch this episode. Yeah. Get I mean, me
1: my parents let me, un- not knowingly, they let me watch the Valentine's episode where dr oh, wow. carter gets stabbed and yeah. lucy is brutally murdered by the schizophrenic uh patient so i couldn't sleep in my room Scarf for like for a month and every time i hear the music that music like still haunts me to this day yeah it's it's good though like it's healthy to have some things that scar you for life yes yeah i think it's good <laughs> and so it's so i watched from uh, from season one i kind of rewatched on reruns like over the summer they played it on tnt and i, I got up to speed so i watched season one through ten basically and then i just lost interest no wiley who plays dr carter kind of rolls out in season 12 and i really just not consistent uh watching f- for that time and period so i stopped then and man some crazy wild things happen crazy casting crazy just dumb stuff happens it's not Does it good. jump the shark yeah really it jumped the shark when dr romano was killed i think in season mm-hmm. 11 as well a helicopter falls off the top of the er and just lands right on him into the ambulance okay hold on (laughs) hold on so let's back up too because dr romano also gets his arm chopped off by a helicopter no one season prior and so then when they decide you know what we don't need dr romano's character anymore he's this extremely racist horrible woman hating person and they're like all right we'll kill him with the helicopter so we chopped his arm off with one let's have it crash literally right on top. it's like
0: final destination yes like he escaped helicopter (laughs) death once
1: (laughs) the odds of that have to be just incredibly low exactly and it was at that moment that i i told myself it's going to be a rough road from here to the end of this series we should do a top five of jump the shark moments at some point yes or
0: yeah jump the shark and or jump the couch because you know jump the couch is when an actor's career goes over the hill oh that's true yes though i would say that that's mostly not true because tom cruise is who they're referring to and he's like killing it he's, <laughs> he's like still killing the game is right he now he like
1: better than he was yeah before i think then. he might be
0: okay so maybe we want to jump the couch but jump the shark would be really fun yeah the one that comes to mind is one tree hill so oh. my my sisters always watched one tree hill and i thought this show i mean i did i wasn't like allowed to watch it or whatever because i was a little bit younger i think i was by by the end of it but there is this absurd moment in that show where this guy who like everybody hates he's like the dad of the two main guys but he's like a, a total jerk He's like needing to get this heart, like he's needing to get his heart switched out, or like he's needing to get a new heart. Some
1: kind of transplant, yeah.
0: Right, so the heart is on its way to him, it's in a cooler. You see where this is going. <laughs> yes. Someone, <laughs> I think someone trips and falls or something like that with this cooler, and the heart goes onto the, the sidewalk, and a dog walks up and eats the heart. I kid you not.
1: Yes what's funny Aubrey often refers to that moment and she says that she recalls watching it and she saw she saw the heart she's like oh oh please don't she saw the dog in the scene too they kept cutting to it she said I swear if that dog gets up and goes and eats that heart I will never watch this show again. And he did, and she never watched another episode of One Tree Hill.
0: Because somebody got, well, somebody got paid to write that, Kirk.
1: Yeah, I mean, come on.
0: I mean, I'll take that job. I could write some pretty terrible plot lines.
1: You know, you, did you write the last three seasons of ER? Okay, so confession
0: time, (laughs) I did write the last three seasons of ER. I picked up right after the helicopter fell on that guy.
1: Then I have some really, really, uh, (laughs) really bones, some bones to pick with you because it's terrible. Oh. The only the only redeeming grace that I'm trying to get to is that in the final season and we've spent a lot of time on ER now. <laughs> the final season of ER, they bring back like every actor. So in by the time like by the time I'm in season fourteen, there are no original characters of the main cast except for the nurses, which they're fantastic, right. but we don't have any of the original doctors. There's no George Clooney, there's no Anthony Edwards, no Noah Wiley, no they're gone. Okay. They're gone. No Julian Margulies. They're gone. So, it's um it's rough times. But they all come back for season five. So I'm excited. Or season, f- fifteen, the final season. I'm excited to see them all come back.
0: Yeah, that'll be good. Mm-hmm. That'll be good. Give you a little bit of closure there. Exactly. Yeah. So so uh, amongst all of your ER watching, did you get a chance to watch any Tarantino? Or I were did. Di- okay. Okay. Good. I, did. I was like, if this is all gonna be <laughs> like, I tried to watch
1: Tarantino and ER was just calling me. <laughs> It's really just a chore at this point But yeah, I did end up I was able to watch back um, Part of Reservoir Dogs and all of Pulp Fiction
0: mm, Yeah, so we both chose Pulp Fiction That's yep. sort of like if you're gonna pick one that's the one to pick Absolutely. Now, I think not only even if it's not your favorite, it's certainly the most iconic And you get to see Samuel L. Jackson deliver his famous Ezekiel 2517 line Which is just such an epic moment and i think you get to hear it twice because you hear it the first time when he's doing it and the second time when the guy's in the bathroom listening to it Mm -hmm. oh actually three times i'm sorry because he says it to tim roth when they're in the the diner
1: yes you're exactly right
0: yeah so that's that's very epic i think samuel L. jackson said that's going to be on his tombstone whenever he uh passes as it should be because
1: it was on his nick fury tombstone
0: it was on the nick fury tombstone yes yeah yeah so that's that's pretty cool all right so that is Tarantino, we, that is our Tarantino buildup. That was what got us in the in the mindset for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But before we get into that, I wanna talk a little bit of movie news, real quick. There's, it's, it's just kind of a slow week, which is good, because it kind of proves me right that the last few weeks have been busy, and this week, eh, not so much. And most of these are just weird ones that I wanted to talk about because they're weird. So first of all, I read today, and this was not, like, the world's most reliable source. I'll just say that right now. But the rumor, the word on the street from a couple of different sources is that Indiana Jones 5 is back in production. It had been shelved by Disney during all the Fox merger stuff. They were kind of looking at projects to move around and, and reset. They were supposed to film this April. Now they're saying it's going to film next April. And this is
1: supposedly with Harrison Ford. And I hope Shia LaBeouf because they got along great. Oh yeah, that one, was right? really a
0: good dynamic. <laughs> What's funny is that that movie. And maybe I'll get maybe I'll get like like torched for this, but it it's not a bad movie. It's a bad Indiana Jones movie, but it's not like a bad movie per se.
1: I don't know how to respond to that because I need to I need to rewatch it because my head is filled with ER and tons of other films, but. I don't ever remember enjoying that movie yeah yeah so I'll
0: just leave you with that if you ever have to rewatch it I just think about it through that lens I don't think it's a bad movie I just think it's a bad Indiana Jones movie so I'll just I'll leave it at that so I'm guessing Shia LaBeouf's not in this one I don't know but are you even remotely excited for Indiana Jones 5
1: no I don't think it needs to be done the fourth one crashed and burned (laughs) I don't need an indiana jones 5 just as much as i don't think i need a terminator dark fate however some new news on that has getting me getting me a little bit excited but indiana jones 5 i don't know yeah
0: so let me let me ask you this then as a contrary okay. because the big the big news that was floating around this summer you may remember was fans were speculating that chris pratt would be the new indiana jones yes i think purely purely speculation and purely because that just seems to sort of make sense if you think about it um but if that were the case are you here for that
1: i would be down for an indiana jones reboot yes i don't think i am i would because i think some things i think some things you just
0: you just let lie and indiana jones is very iconic and that's sort of harrison's harrison ford's character and he even said at the time he was like when i when i'm done that character's done too like i am indiana jones so he's gonna take it to his grave
1: yeah i wonder how he can legally tie that up i don't know there's
0: no way there's no way. I mean, Harrison Ford's just a grouch. Right. He, he's he just. Hates he, yeah, he's just saying stuff. I mean, he, he's of course he's going to say that.
1: If you ever see Harrison Ford on a late night talk show, he is just gripping white knuckle the sides of the arms of the chair and just can't wait till that interview is done. He hates it all. He yeah. just likes to act, and that's all he wants to do.
0: Yeah, so that, that, all of that, like, they were, whenever. Aiden Ehrenreich was doing the solo stuff. They said that Harrison Ford was like really accommodating and things like that, and I kind of find that hard to believe. Wow. They said that he was super helpful. See, it's it's very it's very dichotomous because he's like sometimes he's like making appearances like he showed up at the galaxy's edge unveiling at disneyland and was like all happy to be there and talking really nice about the film and then other times he's like i'm indiana jones and nobody can be indiana jones and screw you guys
1: he's just a grumpy unpredictable yeah, man at I don't this get point him.
0: anyway that that's indiana jones 5 okay and then we got the weird one i threw this in here you're gonna later like after the show you're gonna be like why did why in the world did you put that in there but i saw the weirdest headline ever which is that Ed, so Ed Norton is directing a film and acting in it and writing it, which is hilarious because if you think about, you remember the movie, um, Birdman with Michael Keaton that, I mean, incredible film. Mm -hmm. He has a line in that movie because I've watched it a zillion times Mm -hmm. where he says, Oh, so you're, you're starring in this adaptation and directing it and writing it. That's ambitious. And it's pretty like, it's funny because he's kind of like the jerk theater guy, but that's exactly what he's doing with this movie. So this movie is called Motherless Brooklyn. Tom York, who is the lead singer and genius behind Radiohead, one of my all time favorite bands is writing some music for this film. He wrote a song for it that Ed Norton claims during the creative process. He heard this song by Tom York and it changed the direction of the script and i just want to let that sink in for a little bit because my i mean i don't know how far he was in the creative process but to hear one song and change the trajectory of a script that you're writing i have serious doubts that any good movie could come out of that
1: process Do do we know when that happened because i just pulled this up and it's supposed to release this november this film
0: right so that so yeah so my my assumption is he's doing press for this movie now okay yeah and so it probably was like you get weird headlines like this when people are doing press because they've answered a thousand questions over the last few days and so they're gonna give a weird answer to a question and somebody's gonna grab it and throw it on a headline that's that's what i think happened. okay okay so whether or not this is true but i'm just convinced that no good movie could come out of this process if that is really true but by all accounts this should be good we've got bruce willis we've got ed norton He's writing it. He's a, he's sort of a genius um, and a very, very good
1: actor. He's incredible.
0: So it remains to be seen. I just wanted to talk about that because I thought that was really strange.
1: Yeah, I can see that not working out well for him.
0: <laughs> I, mean, I like Tom York. I like Radiohead. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm there for that, but we'll see. Next up, they are creating a television series. This is kind of like two headlines in one. So they're creating a, hel- a, a television series. I believe it's Stars. That takes place in the John Wick universe which that's a weird sentence yes and it will apparently be I think they said it would be in production before John Wick 4 so John Wick 4 is a thing I don't know if we knew that or not to be honest it's hard to keep track those movies are coming out fast
1: fast fast I wonder if they're just trying to keep Keanu's like training up because he's like have you seen those videos of him like shooting on the ranges on yeah I mean that's a that marketing material was my fave. Yes.
0: The him and Halle Berry shooting up yes. the firing range. I was like, "This is awesome."
1: Yes. And so maybe they're just trying to keep their skill sets up and just like, just go, 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 get them out. But yeah, they're they're coming at at an, an insane pace. But to hear that there's a universe coming out for John Wick to include a TV series, that's I that's mean, this bonkers. is this is
0: getting kind of crazy with the universes. Yes. Right. Like, so this movie. And I, uh, I mean, I don't, so Once Upon a Time in Hollywood actually confirms the existence of a Tarantino-verse.
1: Two universes, actually. Did you see this? So they No. Know. So Tarantino came out and said that there was a universe in which the characters are the most real version of whatever of his concept. And then there's the the other universe that those characters that are the most real go and see so like the people of uh of once upon a time in hollywood would go to the theater and watch pulp fiction on the theater screen
0: see but i feel like pulp fiction and yeah so that is bizarre very i'm guessing like django is probably in the category of like what you would watch on film
1: yes reservoir dogs would be the real people
0: pulp fiction probably be the real people too because it it's pretty real, like it takes
1: place in L.A. He said Pulp Fiction's on the screen. Oh, okay, that just makes it's no weird. Sense. It's it's very complicated. I, I need like a side by side chart. Maybe we can track that down for everybody that it says yeah, so real people versus this is what they're going to see. His other film, Death Proof, obviously would be on on the film, right because that's the like the
0: grindhouse deal. Yeah, yeah. That that is very strange.
1: Very strange. But, but
0: the fact that like we've got everything's got a universe now. Mm-hmm. It's like oh you know. Th- like, I loved the... This movie takes place in the Conjuring universe. I'm like, the Conjuring universe? Wasn't Conjuring based on true story? I mean, it's it's obviously, like, it's a horror film, so it is what it is. But, like, you've got all of those popping up. I'm like, guys, I get that Marvel is a smash success, but this whole, like, doing a, a bunch of different universes is super bizarre, and I just can't get excited. Even though I like John Wick, I really do, um,
1: I can't get excited for this. Yep, I feel you. I have not seen... I've not seen any of the John Wick films, and oh, I oh, you should watch them. I'm so sorry. I want to. See no, them yeah, so you should. Badly. You should
0: watch them. They're a good time. I gotta um, get my hands on it. Yeah, it was funny. Jack was Jackie was like, because she, you know, she's obviously if you're plugged in, you've heard a lot about John Wick, and if you haven't seen it, you might want to like know what's what's up. And Jackie's like, "Are the John Wick movies good?" I'm like, "Yeah, they're good. They're they're good in an action movie sort of way." Yeah. Like they're really good action movies and they deserve the, the critical accolades that they get. They're really well made. Um, they do a really good job. I think I just meant that in the sense that like, yeah, they're good, but like you won't enjoy them. <laughs> you know, it's just not, it's not her style of movie. Sure. And I don't think it's everybody's style of movie, unless you like seeing a bunch of people in one scene get shot by John Wick. Like it's probably not going to be your pace.
1: That's for me. So I'm going to get on yeah, that. Definitely check it out. It's good stuff.
0: Okay, finally. And we're now making the full transition into the Tarantino portion of our show. This whole Tarantino Star Trek movie thing that I thought for sure was just him being the goober seems to be, like, somewhat real. So he has a script. It's very. It's a very real thing. People have heard about it. People have seen this script. Okay? He's saying now that it takes place in the Chris Pine universe. So there it is again. This is, like... That, that Star Trek universe even though he like went on to slam that universe and all the decisions that they've made he's like well my movie takes place in the Chris Pine universe but I don't agree with JJ doing all these different things like doing the time travel and yada 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 Now, today, William Shatner is saying that he
1: would reprise his role as Captain Kirk. Of course he would. Of course he would. (laughs) Yeah. What are you doing? (laughs) William Shatner got forced out of the reboot of Star Trek. Yeah,
0: I mean, Priceline's not ringing ringing the doorbell anytime soon.
1: Nope. Those commercials are gone. That ship has sailed. But yeah, William Shatner absolutely will reprise his role in any way he can.
0: So, and then, and then to add to the speculation, now I'm just going like full conspiracy theorist. Like they've got this thing marked as in production as one of Quentin Tarantino's future projects on IMDb. So that
1: would mean that would be the 10th film.
0: So that's, that's the word on the street. And for those of you that don't understand the significance of that statement, um, you should know that Quentin Tarantino long ago said that he wanted to make 10 films and then he was going to call it a career. Now I think he would probably in that scenario still write and things like that. But his films are the ones that are considered written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. So, if you've seen any of the press for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, they've been saying Quentin Tarantino's ninth film. That is the reason why they're hitting that so hard is because this is the penultimate one. So, if his tenth movie is Star Trek, that is bizarre in so many ways, but also, like, such a cool, weird way for Quentin Tarantino to go out.
1: I don't know how I feel about it, because... if it were living in the same universe as chris pine and we've already seen that chris pine and chris hemsworth are not going to return for another star trek so they're not at this time yeah but maybe with tarantino was on it maybe he's also producer maybe they can get more funds because i think it was a salary debate
0: i think it was too but i mean ultimately i don't know i mean i guess yeah to your point if they get enough buzz around this and they start to think that it's a viable option. I can't remember who it is, Universal or Paramount or whoever's mm-hmm. responsible for this. Maybe they would do it. I don't know.
1: I don't know. It's it's very, very strange. Or does he just focus on a totally different fleet? Right. But so as you stated, it is on his IMDb for it's, future It's there. It doesn't credits. say
0: in production or anything. I don't... I, I actually... I should check that. I'll actually check that right now.
1: And one of the other things I saw on IMDb now, and we can't fully trust IMDb all the time because... Um, it gets you know people can post whatever they want sometimes like even all-star users or just like trolls like one time i saw for the benedict cumberbatch grinch i saw someone post in the in the violence and gore like watch out because the grinch eats max the dog it's very upsetting so we can't fully trust what's being put yeah on pretty the sure i don't remember that part of that film you didn't see that part no I, I think horrifying. I missed it.
0: yeah it sounds scary <laughs> yeah so this says yeah to your point we can't trust it this says this says uh announced Which I don't think that's true either. No. But people are talking about it in a very open way, as if it it could be a possibility. So I wanted to go
1: down this road. But you mentioned that you heard about something else. I did. So on on the IMDb, it said that they believe that Quentin Tarantino is going to continue the Charles Manson storyline, ripping it out of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
0: Which would be interesting. Yes. Because he, he clearly knows a lot about it and it's and, and for the record it's not a spoiler that charles manson is it like that whole thing is in once upon a time in hollywood because the movie focuses around sharon tate
1: exactly so
0: yeah that's the core
1: plot you need to know that going into the movie yeah
0: exactly um so i, I would not be opposed to that either
1: I, I think that would i think that's a better direction to go uh than the star trek but obviously i don't I'm think gonna he's gonna stop
0: either i don't think he's gonna stop at 10 gonna keep going i think he will i think it'll be i think it'll probably be like I mean, what's the, it's not bad for your brand if you keep going, because people will be happy. Like People who like your movies will be happy, and people who don't like your movies will think
1: you're a liar, but who cares? They don't like your movies. <laughs> Maybe it's like an amendment, like, okay, I said 10, I'm going to do 15 now, okay? So, five more, guys. Yeah, Death Proof doesn't actually count. We're
0: just going to write, you're just going <laughs> right. to like, choose one and be like, that one doesn't count, it's yeah. out.
1: Remove it from my reputation. Yeah. Sorry, guys.
0: So, I mean, I'm fine with either of those. I think the Charles Manson thing would be cool. Um, in a lot of ways So I'm not, I'm not opposed to that In, in any way um, But that's all I got for movie news this week Like I said light week If there's anything we missed that you want to talk about Hit us up on twitter At PFB underscore podcast Or on Facebook You can find us at either of those places And we are very responsive According to Facebook we are very responsive That's Ooh. what it says it used to say um, It used to say something better than that And I've been desperately trying to get back to that it used to say I don't remember what it says like I don't I don't know if it said like extremely responsive or something like that But there was one tier above that we were on and I'm like obsessed with getting back
1: to that We'll get there
0: So if you if you like comment at us or, or post something at us and I respond within 30 seconds or me or Kirk responds within 30 seconds It's not because We're crazy. I mean, maybe it is but it's because we want that that title back. That's our goal But right now we're very responsive and I'm proud of that So hit us up I want to dive into this review because I'm very excited about this review. First of all, this is the first non-Disney slash Marvel movie that we've reviewed. So we get to flex our muscles a little bit here, Kirk. We get to, we get to sh- put on our expert film critic hat here and show what we know a little bit. Mm-hmm. And this is just a very exciting time. The Quentin Tarantino movies don't come out every day. Like we said, there's only nine of them. And that's like, he does it like every three years. So that's, it's kind of a big deal. It's like the Olympics. That's exactly like the Olympics. Yeah, it's like, ooh, it's it's the Olympics. You know, you get really excited. <laughs> I love that analogy. That's perfect. Yeah, so here we are um, at the movie Olympics, and we're reviewing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. First thing up on the docket, we've got the synopsis in 280 characters or less. And I've got a lot of pressure on me this week, because we've done this twice, and I've brutally murdered it every time in the worst way.
1: Let me give you some, uh, so just some clearance, because... I have a terrible synopsis. (laughs) Oh, good. I couldn't think of one because, spoiler alert, I loved this movie. So I I had a really hard time figuring out a synopsis to tell you without spoiling it. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's good. This will be good. Get me back in the good
0: graces of the listeners a little bit. Show them that I'm not just some sarcastic jerk. Redemption. Yeah, I like it. Do you want to start? I'm going to let you go first. (laughs) Why? I wanted to, like, you said that you're sucked, so I wanted to, like... Your yours to go and then I could be like boom check oh, this out.
1: Well, that's fine. Yeah, go. it's fine go. I guess I've gone first every other time. It's not that great. Okay. Um, it's actually terrible <laughs> Here we go. Good luck Once upon a time in Hollywood synopsis and 280 characters or less Leonardo DiCaprio acts his butt off Brad Pitt is Brad Pitt and Tarantino creates a near-perfect suspenseful story Love it. It's my synopsis. All
0: right. My turn my turn two stars close in proximity but distant in career trajectory find themselves as the foci of a murder plot in a movie that explores friendship self-awareness and above all the love of film did you just say foci i did which for those (laughs) of you who are wondering that is a real word it is the plural of focus kirk was questioning me on that and i was like nah man it's a real word i'm still questioning it so it's like when you have an ellipse you know an ellipse it's like an oval Mm mm-hmm it can't have a center because there's no true center to it because it's an ellipse, so it has two foci, and so same with a hyperbola. So that's
1: there you too go. much for me. Yeah, that's <laughs> your
0: that's your um, geometry.
1: Excellent synopsis. Yeah, though.
0: thank you, thank you very much. Um, I really felt like I nailed that one, so it was good. It gets me back on track. So the prove it the prove it synopsis is really next week. Next category,
1: and the Oscar goes to. I said it in my synopsis Leo DiCaprio. Yeah. Baller. Yeah. To the extreme. Without without giving anything away you've seen leo in all all of his other roles he finally got his best actor win in the revenant thank goodness but he could easily be nominated for this one as well for best best actor and he could also win it it was so good it was so detailed one of the coolest things about tarantino is that he makes the mundane things in life seem eccentric and vice versa he takes eccentric things and make and makes them mundane and leo dicaprio does such a good job with creating his character
0: yeah i i echo all of that um i'll go a step further and say that i fully expect him to get nominated for best actor for this nice he was absolutely incredible rick dalton who is his character is lovable in ways that i didn't think were possible out of a film character and i don't mean that to sound heavy-handed i think like if you watch this movie you will feel similarly about him he's really just an exceptionally fun character and one who goes through such an incredible and really like personable journey in this movie because the the whole thing is, he is this, he is, he's basically this 1950s star who was a film star, a television star. He was a big deal. And now, uh, you know, people's tastes are changing and he, he is not getting any younger and he's a little bit on the downswing you could say. And he's going through this very real moment of maybe I'm not who I think I am. You know, he's starting to value. He, he's using his work to to place value on himself. Um, and it's just really, it's really exceptional.
1: And it's so good that you said that because I also wonder if it was easy for him to kind of pick up this this feeling of useless and and, and evolving and being someone that, that draws people to films and, and to theater because... Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio Not that he has anything To worry about But as a person He could have those Very same fears It's, because it's true yeah He's been in the TV film Industry forever Since growing pains when Yeah he, When he was introduced uh, But now he's He's kind of at the same point As Rick Dalton However far superior In every, any, every way Shape or yeah, form Yeah I
0: mean I think that I don't know what I was expecting I, I mean to be honest I was expecting Leo at the top of his game because it's one of those things it's kind of like LeBron James like if LeBron James ever slows down and stops being as good as he is I think it will be surprising even though you know that it has to happen like it it has to happen that Leo will not be who he is you know he'll he'll get older or you know whatever there'll be somebody new or what have you it's just the it's the nature of the business but man, I think this was as good as we've ever seen him. I really mean that. And and I just I fell in love with this character in a very major way. I thought that he was really great. The Quentin Tarantino is sort of known for these long scenes of dialogue, mm-hmm. you know, where where they don't cut and they just kind of kind of rap for a little bit. And holy smokes is Leo working overtime in those scenes. Yes. He's got like he's even to the point where you know his character has a little bit of a substance abuse problem i think that that's that's evident right from the right from the jump of the movie yep and he's got a little bit of like he's got some tics going on you know as he's talking he's kind of like filling with his shirt collar and kind of like blinking his eyes open real wide and doing those things that it's just—it's all very intentional, and he does—he does an incredible job.
1: His character building is unmatched. There's a scene in this movie, and you probably have even seen it in the trailer. I can't recall. This won't spoil anything, but in—in a—he does something that I think everyone does. There's like a moment of like your own soliloquy about how you would do something, or inner monologue that you're just by yourself and. I wouldn't take it to the extent of Rick Dalton, but I'm like, oh man, I've done that before. And yeah. it's
0: so perfect. Like trying to pump yourself up. Yes. Like, listen to me. You're gonna, yeah. Oh yeah, everybody's done that.
1: It's it's incredible. The way that he does it and the way that Tarantino has that whole sequence play out is just beautiful. It's incredible.
0: Yeah, and I think I think when you when you think about the fact that Kirk and I both chose Leo DiCaprio, this is not in any way an indictment on anybody else's performance in this film. It's truly that he's just in a class of his own. And we really got some great acting performances here. I think you said in your synopsis, like, Brad Pitt is Brad Pitt, which is totally true. I mean, we we get we get Brad Pitt. If mm-hmm. you're coming to see Brad Pitt, you're not going to see a character that's a total departure from anything he's ever done. It's very much in line with some of some of the characters he's played.
1: Right. And I still love it. I, I love it's watching great. Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt draws me to movies. Um, but yeah, he's just... He's him.
0: And I'm staying on this topic because I think he also elevates Leo's character in a very big way because their friendship is incredible and i don't think that that leo is that lovable character without um, brad pitt's character cliff there
1: without to their, support him without their bro their immense bromance in yeah, this movie yeah. yeah
0: it's great it's really great okay next next uh, category here is scene stealer and there were a ton of options because tarantino he's been in the biz for a bit he's got a good resume everybody wants to be in this movie he's calling up all of his buddies so we got bruce dern we got mike mo we got
1: al pacino you know tons of characters luke perry even comes back this is his final film performance rest in peace luke perry this is uh i was i was even waiting for it i was like how big of a role does Luke Perry have you you cram all of these actors in here and you, you get to a certain point in the movie and you're like where is he and then he shows up so yeah it's great as well and
0: I'm, I'm missing some too I mean we've got Dakota Fanning uh, Kurt Russell <laughs> I mean the list goes on um, Lena Dunham it's it's pretty it's yeah. pretty exceptional how many people are in here and really makes for a fun time so would you like to go first or would you like me to go first
1: yeah I'll go ahead and go first real quick another supporting character and I don't know if this is who you pick but the um, Austin Butler who's Austin going to be Butler. playing Elvis is in this film yeah, as well Yeah, yeah. As, as a very important role in in the movie and in what what historically occurred as well in, in the the Sharon Tate murders as they call them. He was fantastic. He was really good. I was excited because I haven't really seen him in anything and I yeah. was my eye was out for him to say all right, can you be Elvis? Do you have the chops? And all right, I'm I'm in. Yeah, I'm in on the It was the good. Moment. So, my scene stealer, I have one and I have an honorable mention. Um, my my number one scene stealer goes to Margaret Qualley,
0: who yes. played uh,
1: the title the character Pussycat one of the Manson girls. Uh, she was she was great. I I thought that I had never seen her in anything before, and I looked her back up, and she was actually in one the of nice my guys. one of my and Cam's favorite films, uh, Nice Guys, which was a surprise underdog of a film with Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. That's so yeah. well done. It's so. So fun.
0: I spotted her on the cast list before this movie because I'm super woke on this. Um, <laughs> I think that's what the I, I'm I'm now the living embodiment oh, no. of that Steve Buscemi meme where it's like, "Hello, fellow kids, that's me just now." So, um, there you go. I'm done. But she was she was fantastic in The Nice Guys, and I cannot emphasize enough: you must go watch The Nice Guys. Yes. You probably have never heard of this film because they didn't get any good marketing behind it. But they have Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling, two huge stars. Um, it's fantastic.
1: Cameron, you actually. refer me to this movie he said oh I watched this movie it has like a 90 plus percent on Rotten Tomatoes but it didn't get a lot of distribution or something and I watched it I loved it and then I watched it several times and and the, then there was a point where it got brought up in the office someone else had uh, we worked together and someone else brought it up like hey have you seen the nice guys and then i told cameron i said i'm buying that movie today yeah <laughs> and so yeah now I own no
0: it. yeah absolutely it's like i'm i'm now the number one nice guys evangelist i yes. just go door to door and i'm like <laughs> have you met our lord and savior the nice guys and you should watch it
1: actually dying <laughs> okay so kirk is literally dying okay great this is the final episode sorry. of popcorn for breakfast
0: <laughs> okay sorry about that anyway all of this was to get to your first scene stealer <laughs> which i don't think we've actually gotten yet margaret qualley oh my Mar- oh yes yeah, so i'm sorry yep. yeah margaret You're, no problem. yeah we that, talked about so many characters she over. was
1: so great from the moment you saw her she was just just this ray of sunshine and you couldn't look away she was just she owned the screen she owned the relationships that who she was communicating with um it was just impossible to look away from her or, or not just follow her journey in this movie as well. Yeah, she did a great job. So then my my uh, honorable mention goes to Damian Lewis. Uh, so Damian yeah. plays Steve McQueen, which when they have him in full hair and makeup, they didn't really need to do much, but he looks just like him. Yes. Like Steve McQueen in this film. And he does some incredible work uh, on how to mimic steve mcqueen and even down to his vocal inflections to his facial expressions i was in all one of my all-time favorite movies is the great escape nice with steve mcqueen so yeah. i i loved the sequence where damian lewis comes in so shout out damian lewis i love you
0: yeah and he was he was very he was only in there for a very small period of time so that's that's a good one that's a sleeper pick
1: yep all right who's your scene stealer
0: my scene stealer and this is because this scene made me laugh so incredibly hard along with everyone else in my auditorium is mike moe who played bruce lee yes that scene (laughs) and you will know it when you see it because it's it's like one scene it's probably five minutes and it is absolutely hysterical and he does an incredible job he does and they sort of paint bruce lee as like this very cocky like very very hollywood type character which is so funny because you and i see bruce lee and we just see him as an action hero you know in these great movies Mm -hmm. you know just just killing it with with all this karate and and all that so yep in this movie you get a a view of him behind the scenes and i don't know if this is accurate knowing quentin tarantino i'd say it probably is right he's like a very extra very um he's a diva you know he's wearing these sunglasses this cool outfit he's bragging about you know his exploits as a as a Basically a mercenary. He's like painting the picture of himself as like this stone-cold killer because he can do so many amazing things Um, And Mike Moe man, he kills it. He absolutely kills that role. It's a really really a fun scene
1: That's a great pick great pick.
0: All right that brings us to Showstoppers and man were there a ton to choose from in this movie. I have to say before we dive into this we saw Tarantino really flexing his muscles here with with the production value and with the overall the writing and the direction and the cinematography of this movie he worked hard on this thing and it shows and it pays off
1: yeah this three hour movie we said the hateful eight absolutely uh, felt like all three hours this did not this thing whizzed by it was fantastic Um, what's your showstopper cam So my showstopper is all of these cutaways to the 35 millimeter
0: films that, you know, Rick Dalton is starring in, you know, there's this long scene where he and Al Pacino are having this conversation. Al Pacino is playing the role of like this producer who's got connections in the Italian Western scene. And he's talking through all of these great roles. And as we're doing this, we're seeing all these cutaways to uh, Leo as Rick Dalton acting in these films And you know that Quentin Tarantino did this because he loves film. He loves shooting on film, and he loves the medium of 35 millimeter or 70 millimeter film. And he wanted to to do something that, you know, paid homage to that. They do so many of these scenes. It happens throughout the entire movie. And every one is breathtaking. looks so great. And it's just like the colors the the scenes that they portray the acting in the scenes these are not like throwaway. you know it's, it's, quentin tarantino does his fair share of cutaways but these aren't like just thrown in like these are they probably took a lot of work and it just makes the experience that much better and i i loved every second of it if i could watch a super cut on youtube oh yeah of like all of them cut together i would love to because it's just i mean it's my favorite part of this movie and and Above the acting above the writing above everything
1: else those scenes are so cool. I love that. That's exactly my showstopper as well oh, Are you serious <laughs> every every bit of what you said? That's awesome. I echo you 100% I, My my notes say inserting current actors into old films. It was perfect. Yeah, and
0: I will just say before we get to um, director shoes and, and our scores that this movie like that's what this is all about really is Just painting that era of Hollywood in a way in such a romantic way and doing so in a way that nobody else has done it before. I think we've seen, we've seen other movies talk about, you know, this romantic relationship that people in the film industry have with classic Hollywood. La La Land did it most recently mm-hmm. and did an exceptional job. Um, this was my favorite way to to do that. I really, really enjoyed it. And I love, and it just, I left the theater wanting to watch all kinds of old movies because that was just It just was so fun
1: Yeah, I think there's even some articles out there that tell you which those films that they insert Leo as Rick Dalton into those old films They they tell you what films that they are so that'd be cool to go back and watch those
0: Yeah, quentin tarantino. I saw I mean true to form had like Your homework before seeing once upon a time in Hollywood. Like here are the 10 films you need to watch Um, And if I if you would have come out with that a little bit sooner I would have gone through the exercise of watching all them to get my mind, right? I mean, it probably would have only enhanced the experience a little bit more, but um, Yeah, I'll have to go do that now. Actually, I'll do that. I'll do that sometime soon.
1: That'll be really fun
0: All right. So that brings us to director's shoes Mm -hmm. Which is what you would change about the movie and this can be anything I'm excited to hear what you have to say about this one.
1: This one was hard because Seeing this movie it was a near-perfect film. It really was. Uh, I have three three takes that I wish were there were more of in the director's shoes and it's really not changing anything it's just give me more it was three hours long but give me 10 more minutes of each of these and i'd be fine um, I needed more Margot Robbie she did she was so good I think she even got the blessing of Sharon Tate's sister Deborah uh, that after she saw her performance when it premiered she actually cried and she was she was so thankful for her for her accurate portrayal of Sharon Tate right
0: because the Tate family was a little bit I mean I think as any family would be a little bit guarded about the idea of this persona
1: returning to film especially a tarantino film tarantino right. is known for his violent expression uh, in film so rightfully so and she got they got the approval from deborah again sharon tate's sister and She did such a good job. Margot Robbie kind of blew my socks off. I was like, wow, that was way better than I expected and well done for her. Um, I wanted more Steve McQueen because Damian Lewis also floored me. I'm like, give me more of that. That's great. Give me more. And then what I also wanted to know. So after watching this movie, I knew about the Manson family just because I'm a serial killer freak. Like I love reading about these crazy people and what they've done in history and i want to like know why why they did that and what made them tick um what i really loved reading was um that when um when these when these murders when the when the murder uh, excuse me when the tate murders occurred Roman Polanski actually accused Bruce Lee of being the culprit of this. Really? So there's kind of the tie-in where Bruce Lee, he was obviously this big presence in cinema, but that was that blew my mind, That was, which is one of the reasons why Tarantino put him in the film, but they never talked about it. And I guess you can't really get to it without doing uh, kind of flashbacks or reordering the the chronological timeline but there that that's a big connection that they didn't connect bruce lee to the actual historical part of this dreamscape of what happened right so i wish i wish there was some way that they could have done that i understand that they that they didn't but more bruce lee um in general but that would have been cool to see as well
0: yeah yeah those are all really good and, and yours is really similar to mine in the sense that I wanted more of the history in the historical fiction because and and not because he did a bad job with what he did, I think it's because he did such a good job with what he did. I mean the as soon as you see the um the first date that they flash at the bottom of the screen, it says Saturday, February eighth, nineteen sixty three. I mean, I I think that's the right date. Sixty nine. Sixty nine, sorry, nineteen sixty nine. Yeah, I messed up the year. But I was like, wow, we're down to the day of the week. I'm surprised he wasn't down to like four PM, you know, Pacific Standard Time. Like (laughs) he did his homework, man. Like and and he did such a good we've seen him do historical fiction before with Inglorious Bastards and do an incredible job. And the way that he approaches the genre is really remarkable and just the level of detail is exceptional. So I would have liked to see more of the more of the dynamic between Roman Polanski and J.C. Bring and uh, Sharon Tate because mm-hmm. they they tease us a lot with that, and I just want more there. I think if this movie, I, I wouldn't have cut anything that was there. I would have just made it like 30 minutes longer and dived and and dive into those relationships just a little bit more. Because um, like you said, uh, Margot Robbie was fantastic as as Sharon Tate. There's a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot material out there, and and history on the Manson murders and the entire Charles Manson cult and all of that, um, because lots of people obsess over these things and want to learn more. Yep. And it would have been really cool to see them just go even farther than than they did
1: there. Yeah, I'm with you. That would have been cool to see their relationships a little bit more, and maybe that's why there could be number ten.
0: Yeah, I, I'm continue I'm, it, and I'm here for that. I'm here for that entirely. Um, okay, so let's give final thoughts and then we'll give our scores. So my final thoughts here, this was this was Tarantino the most mature, I would say, that we have ever seen him. He did not overindulge himself in the things that he typically overindulges himself. We talked about those long dialogue scenes that he does, and you know, getting a little bit nonlinear with the story and not committing to writing a true end-to-end story we did we did not get those things he he really committed to making a really well-made film um and doing so with the writing and the direction in conjunction with one another and i think that it's for for that reason it's it's one of his best it really is and we'll i'm sure it will pop up on on our list whenever we do the top five because I, i really just felt like this may you know it's his ninth movie it may be his ninth symphony not that it will be the last thing he ever does but it might be the the one of the works that he's remembered for um and I just really really enjoyed it
1: I I think you're spot on for that I love the fact that this historical fiction that he plays meshes so well with the reality of what it was and so creative with how he puts it all together and makes it it seems like a like a memory play like if you're if you're in a theater so there are memory plays like this this thing happened but here's how i remember it so that's where he plays and inserts all these characters such as rick dalton and cliff uh i can't remember cliff's name brad pitt's character yeah and that's that's it's just this beautiful booth booth, thank you that's how they, they how he merges them together is so well done like you said we get we get really long drawn out conversations sometimes and they were clipped down in this one and they were very specific and you never felt like it was just running his joke too much and i would also say that this was the least violent tarantino film it was, film as it was. Well.
0: So, so yeah if you're if you're someone who's a little squeamish i even told jackie who, who definitely falls into that category like hey i think you could watch this movie you know yeah. um I mean, there's certainly a fair share of violence there, sure. there, um, but but not not anything like we've seen in the past. That's for sure.
1: And not to, and so one of the things that I was most worried about. This is not a spoiler alert, but hopefully this will give you the idea of this is a great film. And again, if you are squeamish, um, this one you probably can see is that knowing what happens in the Tate murders and Sharon Tate specifically, I will say this is the least violent way you could ever imagine it being. Is so. Yeah take that with it as you will if you want to if you want to direct message us as in carpe diem us oh
0: no there's go that ahead again.
1: if you want like a semi-spoiler go ahead and talk to us offline that's again carpe diem for popcorn for breakfast just let us know we'll be happy to tell you
0: wow incredible and and i will that's a good point so My my wife Jackie is one of these people who does not want to be surprised in the movies Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna judge that I have in the past mercilessly (laughs) I'm not gonna I'm not gonna judge it now because people You know people want to get what they want to get out of the movies If you're somebody who doesn't want to be surprised because it makes you anxious makes you nervous Kirk and I will be that support system for you That's right We've seen the movie so that you can ask us about the scary things that happen or, or what have you and and know what to expect I like that Yeah So hit us up
1: Carpe diem Um Oh, boy. There's that again.
0: Um, so then I'm just going to leave it with this. And and you, you teed it up. But this, what this thing is, is it's a total love song to to old Hollywood and, and to Hollywood in general. And I think what we're seeing, without getting too much into the theme, I wanted to, I, with a movie like this, you always want to dive into the themes because there's so many of them, but you, it's hard to do so in a spoiler-free way. I will just say that this is about protecting and preserving an area a time in Hollywood that seems so hard to remember now. And I think Quentin Tarantino sees what's going on in the industry. He sees what's been happening with the me too movement and some of these things that have hit really close to home in Hollywood. Um, you know, some of our favorite actors, directors, producers, um, are not the people that we thought they were. Um, so I'll just leave it at that. But he sees that and he's like, this is not Hollywood, you know? And, um, I want to paint a picture of a time when Hollywood was fantastic and maybe maybe it is just his memory to your point maybe it was always bad i mean you know the world is the world but what he gave us is something that is really beautiful and it's it's totally his love song to film which is something that he obviously loves very very much
1: Mm -hmm. perfect
0: all right let's do scores i assume they'll be high
1: Very high.
0: Do you want to go first? I think you're gonna be super high cuz so far you've been higher than me on every single one So I'll let you go first.
1: Mine is so so high. It's ridiculous. It's like like I said, it's a near-perfect film I'm giving it a 9.9 kernels, Right at the tippy-top 9.9 kernels throwing it out there. I loved this film uh, I, I, it might be because of my viewing experience, 10:15 at night. I'm by myself. I have... Remember, this is very key. Remember, make sure you have snacks. I had a meal. I had chicken yeah, strips and barbecue sauce and ketchup and fries, and it was delicious. And a Pepsi. Remember, I'm the Pepsi guy. So... It was so good, top to bottom, uh, from the moment it opened to the moment it closed. By the way, there is a mid credits scene and a sound bite at the that you should just watch the whole credits.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Make sure you make sure you stay to the very end. It's it's very rewarding the entire time. But nine point nine, it 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 spoke to this film spoke to me. It's hard to say a Tarantino's film spoke to you. Yeah, I love that. But the the themes they're they're so rich in this film, and it it got me. It won me over.
0: Wow that is a big big time score it is big time
1: big uh, i don't know that we'll see many more any more 9.9 well, that's but, good
0: that's how it's supposed to be right like it's supposed to be pretty rare if you're going to give a score that high it should be reserved for the the highest of caliber films
1: right hobson um, shaw will not get a 9.9 i'm just going to say you don't that know right that. now <laughs> you don't know that
0: you don't know that it could be really good
1: I don't, don't really judge
0: know. a book by its cover crawl got really good reviews <laughs> i'm just saying
1: true. with some terrible marketing
0: <laughs> yeah with some really bad marketing um okay my score i'm not going as high as you because i am i am the scaredy cat and i just like it's one of these things where i will never go super high because i'll always be waiting for that perfect film to hit me and it probably already has and i just will never know it mm-hmm. um i'm giving this a 9.4 kernels out of 10 this is my highest review of the year it it will likely remain so for a little while i expect this movie to do very well in awards season um summer release day which is something that tarantino has been doing over the last few years which you don't really see a lot of the summer movies do super well come award season but i think this one definitely will it will definitely be in the conversation for best picture our friend leo will be in the conversation for best actor if not winning it i mean it remains to be seen but this one checks all the boxes it's great if you like tarantino you're gonna love it if you don't like tarantino there's a good chance you're still gonna enjoy this film Highly recommend it. 9.4 out of 10 kernels. Great score. All right. That is a wrap on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And man, did we just gush about that movie? My goal was to not, <laughs> my goal was to not like gush about the movie, but I totally did. It, like when it, when it comes down to it, I'm
1: just sitting here like swooning about how good that movie was. I don't see many movies multiple times in the theater, not because I don't want to, but because it's expensive, <laughs> but I would 100% go see this yeah, two three times. I'm eager the to check it out again, for
0: sure. I don't know that I'll be able to wait till it's released. Yeah. So. Well, we may have to do that.
1: Second run theater. I'm just going to go to town. <laughs> when it comes to the five dollar (laughs) theater absolutely all
0: right so that brings us to our top five which this week is top five quentin tarantino movies we had a little bit of a break from the top five because we had the disney bracket last week but we're back at it again this week with uh, which i think is a really what, what i think is a really good one um not every tarantino movie is once upon a time in hollywood and i expect like i said in the open for us to have some pretty different different views on this but i'm ready to dive in so let's start at the bottom number five. We don't want a Terminator situation again here, Ooh, Kirk So we're sorry. St- <laughs> I'm
1: well, what's funny is I'm actually reordering my list Oh, as no you, as you said no, that's fine.
0: I'll start I'll I start.
1: double-checked my list and I'm like do we want to talk through all ten or I'm sorry all nine films. Oh, real we quick?
0: should we should yeah You should so I did
1: put them in year order. So yeah, I really is, want to do this This
0: is good because there's a lot of confusion around the nine films I think it will make sense whenever we explain it but Quentin Tarantino <laughs> if you go and you hit how many director credits he has the answer is 20 and so then you're like oh crap well what are the nine films kirk hit us with them
1: okay so chronologically from release date we've got reservoir dogs 1992 pulp fiction 1994 jackie brown 1997 kill bill volume one and two is considered one film
0: right so there's the tricky part yes one film there
1: so that was released one year apart, two thousand three, two thousand four. Then there was Death Proof, two thousand seven. Inglorious Bastards, two thousand nine. Django Unchained, two thousand twelve. Hateful Eight, Boo, twenty fifteen. And of course, just now, Once Upon a Time. Dot dot dot. In Hollywood, twenty nineteen.
0: Yep, very good. Um, so some of the ones that people sometimes think are included in this group are um, Dust Till from Dust Till Dawn, which is that it's a vampire flick. Mm-hmm. Um, He like stars in that movie with
1: George Clooney and
0: was one of the writers, but did not direct it. Right, I think, um, Oh, what's his name? Rodriguez. What's the first name? Robert, Robert Rodriguez directed it. So, um, that one is not included in this list. All of these movies are the movies that Quentin Tarantino both wrote and directed. They're the ones with a cool yellow font at the beginning that says, a film by Quentin Tarantino um, Gives you all those good feelings mm-hmm. So so let's break it down Let's, let's start at number 5 Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first?
1: I can go now, my list is ready Let's do it Number 5 Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2 Okay Great, great film I loved Kill Bill Volume 1 way more than I did the second one Uh, i saw is that the consensus
0: because because i I feel the same way but i i don't i legitimately don't know if that is the consensus i also don't
1: know and i don't care that's how i feel yeah
0: i like it (laughs) i like it just stick to your guns there
1: yeah one was way better than two even though it's the same film now we know um but yeah number five
0: love it for number five i went with reservoir dogs this was the first quentin tarantino movie i've ever seen um I was very much captivated by it. In fact, uh, we I was in high school whenever I saw it, and I was kind of starting down this path, and Glorious Bastards had just come out, so I was kind of like taking a stroll down Quentin Tarantino memory lane before, and for whatever reason, I started with this movie, probably because it was the first, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. Um, that scene at the beginning, when they're in the diner, and Steve Buscemi's given his, his whole take on why he doesn't tip people, is such a classic, iconic Tarantino scene, and kind of like that's the scene I would point people to whenever I'm talking about those long scenes of dialogue that seem to go on forever and don't have any cuts. Like, that's the one that I think of. Um, and then the slow motion walking out the door to the little green bag while you know the names of the actors are coming out. Like, those cinematic moments stuck with me. I even we we did that exact, we recreated that scene in a film project that I did. We did. Um, a streetcar named desire, but we did that scene with little green bag and slow motion and like sepia tone, <laughs> That's great. um, and put everybody's name under. That was my, my buddy, Fred Kern, um, who was the genius behind that. But, uh, anyway, reservoir dogs, it's on my top five. I don't know that it's on everybody's, but it's on mine. I really enjoy it.
1: Fun fact about the Steve Buscemi, I'm sure you, you caught this too when you rewatched Pulp Fiction. Steve Buscemi was not able to be in Pulp Fiction because of a scheduling conflict, but he shows up as a waiter in the restaurant for Uma Thurman and um, John Travolta. He that's is, awesome. He is the, I think he's dressed as Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly, like yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> and he says, great.
1: what do you want? <laughs> like, he's miserable. It's so good. It's such a nice touch. That's awesome. In the Tarantino universe, of course.
0: Right. Which one? <laughs> i'm not sure yeah the <laughs> <laughs> still that's the gonna b- that's gonna bother me in a big way okay number four
1: what do you got number four i've got django and chain for number four mm, great theme song there django <laughs> that's right yeah you know, that's a good one jamie fox um the the only thing that I've all, I've ever loved Jamie Foxx also in was when he played Ray Charles and Ray mm. killed it, crushed mm-hmm. it, won the Oscar. Um, so I was, I was timid going into Django Unchained. I really liked this movie. Um, I really liked Don Johnson appeared in it. He had been MIA for a really long time, you know, shout out Don Johnson, Nash bridges. He was also just like popping up in a whole bunch of other films recently as villains. And I think is great. Like that I'm all for it. Um, but Django had such a wonderful structure to it. Um, one of the one of the bloodiest bloodbaths that Tarantino has given us oh my us. gosh yeah <laughs> not that I'm like a huge gore fan but it was it was done in a way where i didn't feel gross i was like this is great. I think because it was so rewarding because it was. you were kill He was killing all the slave owners, like these evil people who were just despicable. Yes. Yeah, it was terrible. And that's probably why that one played so well and why, why I loved it. it. There was so much, it was so cathartic to see them just unload on them at the end of that film. Hopefully you've seen it. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'll pile on here. Cause I also had Django at number four. Great. Um, I love that movie. I think, I think in that movie, it, what I will remember it for is it's acting performances, which are just second to none um christoph waltz ended up winning the oscar for that one but man should it have been leo and 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 christoph waltz no no disrespect to him was phenomenal but i think they kind of stole votes from each other a little bit and that leo performance i was i was guaranteeing to people that was going to be his oscar you know he like cuts his hand in that one scene yes um, and keeps going and it's just incredible carrie washington gives us a really good performance in that movie like To the point where i was like i need to go watch everything carrie washington's ever been in ever and i like started watching scandal and like started watching all these different things um yeah she's really good so yeah django i mean the music's good it's got a really good sense of style in that movie um good good thematic elements with the colors and, and how he directed that movie so yeah django's number four
1: excellent number three pulp fiction
0: you're kidding I had Pulp Fiction at number three, and I thought that this was like a scorching hot take. Oh my gosh. So I literally was like, our lists are going to be so different. And then we got number four, number three exactly in line.
1: And this is the one I just changed. I just, I changed my top three. Well, okay. just a moment ago so yeah pulp fiction just rewatched it i'd seen it so many times and what's funny is pulp fiction is uh, a big fan favorite of tnt also er so this is a, this is the things i grew up on yeah. watching. but i watched pulp fiction out of order so many times on tnt before i finally watched it when i was in high school uh, all the way through and then again recently and watching it again really solidified its spot as number three as it was so um, it was so well done. It it earns this spot compared to the ones I have in spot one and two. For me, um, it's it's just incredible to watch this these timeline jumps and these these relationships that he just creates.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny that you say that you didn't watch it in order until recently because like what even is the order? You know, right? It's it's like all over the place. So you probably felt like you probably didn't even know where those scenes were in the timeline of the movie because how could you possibly? Um, so that's, that's pretty funny. I I had Pulp Fiction as number three, like I said, as well. Um, I think this one took a lot of writing prowess to pull together. Um, if this was a, a book, it would be called a novel in stories, meaning that you tell a larger story, but with a bunch of stories who are loosely connected together, ends up being a really interesting experience in film, um you don't see that all too often. And I know that people have been saying, I think Tarantino himself said that once upon a time in Hollywood is the closest thing to Pulp Fiction that there has been. Um, and I think Pulp Fiction stands alone because of that and how it was directed and how it was written. Um, really just a really fun movie.
1: Love it. Number two. Number two will not be the same as your number two. Ready for it. Because you've already said it. Oh, great. Reservoir Dogs. Okay, Good. This was the first Tarantino film I watched because I um, I started watching the series Lie to Me, which was a network television show with Tim Roth.
0: Tim Roth, that was a good show.
1: It was so good. Really liked that show. It didn't have that many seasons. It was only three seasons. Yeah, it was really good. And I fell in love with Tim Roth, and I'm like, wait a second, why have I never seen Reservoir Dogs? (laughs) And so I, I watched it, and his performance in that. It just, it, it killed me. It was so, so good. Uh, start to finish that thing hits the ground running with, with the the diner scene and then just nonstop craziness and violence and just philosophical questions and torture and all that. It's it's so good. It's number two on my list and uh, I stand by that.
0: Yeah, I like that. The, uh, the stuck in the middle with you scene still scars me oh. for life to this day. Um, which is good. Like I said, it's good to have a little scarring, a, that's little, right. a little mental scarring for for your life. It makes you, it keeps keeps you frosty, yeah, keeps, keeps you, you on your toes, keeps you checked. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to feel too
1: invincible. No, it's a good one. And
0: um, <laughs> the car that's in that movie, I just found out reading the IMDb trivia, and we were kind of talking about it. Um, little Easter egg. Uh, Rick Dalton in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has a yellow Cadillac. It's the same yellow Cadillac that was in Reservoir Dogs. So there's yes. a little another little fun Tarantino verse easter egg for you there (laughs) sorry everyone okay my number two once upon a time in hollywood all right um and i will i'll just do this even though it's annoying i'll caveat it i've only seen this movie once Mm -hmm. i'm confident that it will probably firmly stay in stay in this position or potentially move up i don't think it will move down until we get another movie that Mm. i think it's going to be firmly in that number two spot I really enjoyed it. Looking forward to a second a second filming. To talk more about it would be criminal because we just gushed about it, but yeah, that's where it's at for me. Number 2.
1: Fantastic. Okay, now we're at number one. Number one. My number one was was Death Proof. No, I'm just kidding.
0: Yeah, I was going to say come on 9.9. <laughs>
1: 9, let's hear it. I can't say it. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Number yeah, one yeah, yeah. for me. I I can't say it enough that it, for whatever reason it just struck every chord in me. It was just there's movies that you see There's films that you see in your life and you're like I needed that right now in my life and just the th- The different things that occur in the movie. I was like, yes, this is perfect and number one for me Oh, yeah,
0: and I, I just said that I wouldn't talk about this movie anymore, but I'm gonna do it <laughs> Nope, not allowed because I'm because I'm a liar. But the one thing I forgot to talk about uh, Whenever I was talking about how we got a very mature Quentin Tarantino Mm-hmm. Is how committed he was to his characters in this movie Yes And that Whenever you whenever you said it struck every chord in you I think the reason that it does that And it will for a lot of people Is that these characters are so real And he took time And he, he narrowed it to three core central characters And really explored those characters And built them out um, From the ground up and it, i mean i think that's that's probably the reason why it just resonates with you
1: and also one of the things i'd have to i really have to dive in for when i go watch the other the other films of tarantino that i haven't seen sorry i haven't seen a couple of them but one of the things that was so prevalent in this one this is super nerdy there's a term called mise en sin and oh what <laughs> your what your what hurts <laughs> <laughs> dying. Um, so it's a it's a film film terminology um, word jargon that means the placement of an object in the frame of the camera. So. It's very—it's the intention of it, and I think that Tarantino did that to the the nth level, the nth degree mm. in this film. So when when you see um, when you see two characters sitting next to each other in a restaurant, but there's a beam, like the restaurant beam is s- dead center, okay, okay. splitting them. That's intentional. It's like well, these people are in the same place, but they're really completely different Ooh. people talking about Hold different on. things they're on different paths and this occurs several times in several different ways like who is who is visibly taller than someone else asserting power versus someone who's sitting down or, or looks lower or looks like they're looking up uh different angled shots high low all those things this is what mise en sin is yeah and the word sin is actually seen s-c-e-n-e gotcha but it's just french I it's think. french
0: yeah. yeah sure wow so
1: we got yeah. Pretty
0: philosophical. There. Sorry, about I like, that. no, I like that. I like that a lot. I want more of that. That's no, that's good. Yeah, you see a little bit of that um, when Sharon Tate is watching herself on the screen oh. while other people, and she's watching other people watch her on the screen. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a good moment. Um, yes, love it. Way to break it down, Kirk. Thanks. We're man. not pay, we're not paying you enough around here. That was pretty impressive. Please, guys, okay.
1: <laughs> donate for us.
0: Yeah, we should we should start something. Um, okay, finally, my number one. Mm-hmm inglorious bastards okay i absolutely love this movie it's so good and it is not on the light end of the violence it is heavy on the violence but there is first of all christoph waltz this was the first time i had seen christoph waltz in a movie i don't know if it was the first time anybody had seen him in a movie it might have been i think tarantino was the one who basically discovered him gives a ridiculous performance so incredibly good i mean him smoking that big like comically large pipe um in the first scene whenever they're kind of like looking through the house uh obviously the subject matter is pretty grim but but what tarantino does is he he, he makes it historical fiction so that he can shave history for himself which is really really fun and, and you don't figure that out really till later in the film um and it just makes the payoff all that all that much better we get uh michael fassbender in this movie who is really really good there's that great scene in the pub that's sort of like underneath the stairs um with him and we get a really fun brad pitt character a really goofy caricature like character but in the same way that we were talking about how brad pitt brad pitt kind of plays himself in this movie he certainly doesn't really in in inglorious bastards which is something i really enjoy um, and overall, I just think it's a really strong movie, one
1: that I probably go back and watch more so than the others. So that's why it's number one for me. That's a great choice. It wasn't on my top five only because I haven't seen it enough. That one's also, at this moment, streaming on Netflix, and I'll definitely watch that over Hateful yeah. Eight <laughs> instead. Go check it out. And then
0: in three years, when they release the 10th movie, when they release the Quentin Tarantino Star Trek movie, we'll redo <laughs> this, and we'll see if our list change. So mark your calendars uh, for July... 30th 2022
1: 21 math 22. 22
0: yep yeah do that because that's that's probably when the next one's gonna come out just, yes. gonna, just go ahead and earmark that date <laughs> and we'll revisit this but that is our top five i think this top five is going to be a pretty contentious one so if you have thoughts or criticisms smoke you want to send our way bring
1: it man you've you guys gave us some smoke on those Disney brackets. Oh, I
0: liked it. I loved it. I was actually, like, I was smiling ear to ear as I was commenting back. I love the debate.
1: I was hiding in the weeds, like, oh,
0: gosh. No, it's okay. Please like my movie choices. Embrace it. Embrace it. Just love it. Yeah, no, it was good. We want more of that, so so hit us with your top fives. I know there's lots of... There's got to be tons of Tarantino stands in our listenership here, so... Oh, yeah. Be sure to check it out. But that is a wrap on this episode, our fourth episode. Um, so one thing I want to leave you with is Kirk and I and popcorn for breakfast are on Patreon now. Um, and so I just want to caveat this before we, you know, before we post anything on social or anything like that, I don't want it to look like we are begging anybody for money or, or doing anything like that. But Patreon is a really cool, um, service that allows us to interact with you guys in a very different way. We will never ever ask you guys for money. That is our promise to you. But if you want to contribute and you feel compelled and you want to support the show, feel free to do so on Patreon.com. Just search for popcorn for breakfast. We have tons of exciting things that we're planning for our patrons on Patreon, get you a little bit involved in the, the show creation process and a little bit more about what we do on a week-to-week basis. And uh, in the meantime, if you decide to become a patron, you'll be help- helping us out because podcasting is not free. Um, and, and we absolutely love doing it and want to continue to bring you guys content. So check it out that's patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com search popcorn for breakfast in the search bar and we will see you next week i want to give a special thanks to ryan spriggs as always who helps us produce this podcast we would not be able to do it without him and a big thank you to ryan spriggs and brandon Aristed for our theme song we will catch you guys next time see you then Doing anything for the mm,
1: open. No, no, no. Hold on. Because it was a great opening.
0: No, we've done we've done a normal open before, so we'll just do a normal open. Yeah, but. I wish we could play little green bag. That's mm-hmm. what I wish we could do. Mm-hmm. Looking back on the track for a little green bag. <laughs> <laughs> we just do that. <laughs> <laughs> is this gonna be our new thing? Or we just sing at the <laughs> beginning <laughs> of I just go doom 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 doom. Looking back on the track.